Hello and welcome everyone to a special taped edition of episode 61 for Betting and Booze and here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Kyle Roscoe, coming with Charlie Freeman and Noah Maher. We even dragged Charlie uh, away from class for this episode to bring to you guys a really good sequence over at Laurel Park covering two grade threes, four graded st- or four stakes, excuse me, in the, the late pick five sequence. And on Risen Star Weekend, this is a great alternative to bet. Uh, if you don't just want to play fairgrounds, as we all know, the more bets, the better on a single weekend. But guys, going to go over the peripherals real quick here, and then we'll get right into the handicapping for the special tape show. Again, if you don't watch on Monday nights, Horsin' Around is at 8 p.m. Eastern every single Monday. If you are interested in being on the show, we have with co-hosts and fans. If you're interested, please email Howard at hkravitzhorse k-r-a-v-e-t-s at gmail.com and he'll get back to you and we'll try and schedule something for you guys to be on the show but as you'll see scrolling on the bottom of the screen as well as down in the uh, description please 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 go down below the video player hit subscribe and hit the like button on this video it's the best way to help out our channel and it will push out this episode and all our episodes into the YouTube algorithm to hopefully grow the HHH Racing Podcast every single day. And if you guys do that, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And the next uh, show here on the HHH Racing Podcast channel is going to be Thursday, February 15th. If you guys are watching this on Monday night or Wednesday night, excuse me, when it comes out, it uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night. At 8 p.m. Eastern, Howard, Pete, and Paul will cover the Risen Star Stakes Late Pick 5 for Fairgrounds, a fantastic card filled with stakes galore on Saturday, February 17th. Not one you guys are, are going to want to miss on the road to Kentucky Derby with, in my opinion, and Howard Howard's opinion, if you've watched that episode already, the best Kentucky Derby prep so far. Not one you guys are going to want to miss. If you guys are more of an audio listener, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, rate, review, and subscribe over there as well the power picks guys still going as strong as ever total a two dollars and 20 cents all-time roi and a total of 522 picks over the last three years just um way in the green for this entire um time that we've been doing the power picks average for the horse play uh, average for the average horse player it is a dollar 60 so 60 cents over the national average not uh never a bad time to sign up for the power picks only for $15.99 a month comes out to four dollars a weekend and you get two full cards um all full of pick five plays spot plays price plays everything you need to be successful on a certain racing day we got you covered patreon.com slash hhh racing podcast the link is also in the description and guys we are very very excited this is the big one we're very very excited to announce that a Benton and Booze and an HHH Racing Podcast merch is coming very, very soon with an, even an opportunity to get free merch, guys. That, like I said, I'll say it again. Free merch could be on the cards if certain thing happens. Howard will have that coming up tomorrow. He'll have very specific instructions for you guys to, to try and get your hands on some free merch with the possibility only if, um, one thing happens, but we will get you'll see that what that exact thing is tomorrow, Tuesday or Thursday, February 15th. But we're gonna have hats, t-shirts, quarter zips, hoodies, and polos, maybe even bed and booze and koozies, boys. That's also on the in the cards for that. And it's gonna be really high quality stuff. Howard and I have been working on this for a few months now, trying to bring you guys the highest quality merch merchandise that we can and selling to you guys. I we find I find I got the proofs today. And it looks really good. You guys are not going to want to miss out on the merch 
um, we would really appreciate if you guys would grab some on your way to the Kentucky Derby. But guys, let's get right into it here. We're not going to waste too much more of anyone's time as the late pick five at Laurel Park starts in race number six with the John B. Campbell stakes. And I'll bring up the PP, the Equibase, excuse me, right now. It's a field of nine. On, and we, of course, since recording this on Wednesday for Saturday's races, we do not have the morning lines, but it's going to be a probably a, it might be better, might be the favorite guys. Sheldon Russell, Brittany Russell for Rapoli or Rapoli Homebred and be better. But Bob Marco um, for McGee has been very, very good as of late. And I'll bring up the picks right now. And you'll see two of us are going with the number nine bar Marco. That is me and Noah. Charlie's going a different way, and he is going with the Rapoli homebred, the number three B better, which means, Charlie, you, of course, get to go first and tell me and Noah why we are wrong. Would you like most about the number three B better? Yeah, so for me, I think it's very clear that this is a three-horse race, as we all kind of in some way, shape, or form have the three, nine, and seven on our tickets. Uh, I guess what I like about Be Better, honestly, is, the, is how ultra-consistent this horse is. I mean, certainly, obviously, we've touched on many times before. More recently, when uh, Brittany Russell's had horses at other tracks we've covered, but how, you know, she sort of owns and dominates Laurel. The, you know, when the Russells pair up together, it's always dangerous. And, uh, look, I understand that Be Better isn't the fastest horse out of the break and has lost, uh, you know, this, uh, lost the double crown a couple times, who's also in this race. But for me, I just think the, the pace could set up enough uh, because obviously the one is going to absolutely send and then, you know, all the way on the outside, the nine is going to be send in as well. Uh, and there's some other decent stalkers in here that will press forward. I think out of the closers, Be Better kind of has the best early speed. I know time form doesn't necessarily indicate that. But if you just look at the history, this horse has shown the ability to kind of sit closer up in that three to four length range rather than more in that six lengths or further where it's kind of risky. And I also just like the consistency. I mean, if you look at every single race this horse has run, since may of 23 they've pretty much all been in the 90s except for there was that one race obviously um in the 80s that i think you kind of move on from that was at pimlico maybe just not the track for this horse but whenever be better runs at uh laurel the horse runs a great race i just again i like the connections i understand because it's rapoli you probably won't get an amazing price but for me i just think the horse really fits here and runs well at this track and distance yeah, no, I'll go to you next, and then we'll you'll touch on the other two, and then we'll kind of I'll give my final thoughts, and we'll move on. But um, be better is definitely a horse that loves to come from the back, and you can see based on you know cold time form figures and these blue highlighted figures here that he can realistically do it um, in any type of pace scenario. But I'll tell you what, horse that's extremely fast, and I'm sure you saw it the same way as well, Bob Marco. These last two races, I mean, this horse has gotten in front by 18 lengths and 12 lengths at some points in these races, just an absolute sender for Kieran McGee. Um, I just complete pace play for me personally. Yeah, obviously with Bob Marco, there's really only one way to go. Um, the, the, uh, the concern I have for kind of horses in the rest of the field, there's a lot of horses where they've kind of like popped a big number either last time or two back. Uh, and there's not just really, you know, a ton of consistency. There is some consistency with the three horses, Charlie mentioned, um, and Bob Marco, yeah, he's just going to, you know, get to the lead. The thing I like is, you know, the the fields aren't as great, but he's not necessarily really coming back. He's still kind of striding out. Um, mm -hmm. There are a few concerns. You know, it's his first time against Stakes Company. It's first time with Lasix. Um, but obviously, Kyle, you've got him on top, too, so those weren't too concerning. Well, it's not his first time on Lasix. You can see – or first time off Lasix is what you meant to say. And that's definitely yeah. – that definitely could be a concern for you Lasix players. It's not necessarily for me, guys – 
this is just a complete pace play. Um, there are horses that are fast. Charlie mentioned the one as I'll go ain't the beer cold, which fantastic name for Kenneth Cox and heavy in Toledo. But this horse in a lot of his race, is just an absolute quitter. At least that's the way it looks on paper. If he's going to have to contend with a horse, even coming from all the way outside with Bob Marco, it didn't necessarily concern me whatsoever. This horse, I mean, you can just see, granted, we can talk about the fields that this horse has been on the whole way through. You know, we could talk about it for 10 minutes realistically, but um, it's just super, super fast. And if this horse gets clear like this horse has been in the last, I got six, seven races, if to me it looks that way, and this horse could be a definite play at – any decent odds if the three is taking a lot of money. Of course, you have to respect that money and respect Rapoli, but this is a complete pace play for me, and Bob Marco looks to be that type of horse. And um, Noah, I'll let you – we all have the same top three. Noah, touch on anything you want about Double Crown, and then, Charlie, if you have anything, tag back, uh, tag on with him, then we'll move on. But Double Crown for Ray Glinter and um, and Barbosa as the jockey this last race that this two back at laurel is very good other than that hasn't really been too close recently but still one to be kind of respected yeah if you look closely at double crowns pps uh the race last time in the jennings and the race three back were kind of both in the slop and those were a, a little bit of a dud so i feel like if you kind of cross those two races out i think they kind of dirty up the form a little bit um, and I just think he's going to be a little more tactical. Obviously, he showed the time form. Whereas, uh, you know, I think Double Crown would be a little closer than uh, than the three horse might be. Yep. Um, so if that's the case, and the um, the nine just you know doesn't have the the gas to to kind of take him the whole way, Double Crown could be one that's a little interesting. I completely agree with you. And that's, I'll bring up the time form one more time because I didn't. I meant to bring it up at the beginning of the race. You'll see the nine out in front, one just behind. The three be better all the way in the back and the nine's not taking any pace pressure, at least on the projection. And you'll see the seven mid pack could get the jump on the three if it does end up going that way. But I'm going nine, seven, three. Charlie's going three, nine, seven. Noah's going nine, three, seven. Guys going to move over to race number seven here. And this is the, this is the stake before we get to the graded stakes. It is the Nellie Moore stakes for a mile and a 16 for Philly and Mare's four-year-old. And up draws a field of seven, most likely morning line favorite, I would say, is going to be the number seven hybrid eclipse for the Russells again. Um, the number one, Rosie's Halo for Heavy on Toledo and Safi Joseph. And then probably your third choice will be the Maryland bred Charming Way for um, Jairo Rodriguez and Jamie Ness. Guys, gonna switch over picks right now, and you'll see I am the one on an island this time, but of course, I will not be going first. Um, so Noah, I'll probably lean to you first here. Um, you, we all, you guys both have the same horse on top, so you guys can obviously discuss what you like most about the Russell horses. But um, we all, we all know how good they can be at Laurel. And then you're with me in the same top three. So, what'd you like most first about Hybrid Eclipse? Yeah, obviously, Hybrid Eclipse is nothing too creative, and, and you know that the the Russell connection is going to take money, obviously, here at Laurel. Um, but just the, the last race, um, going up against saddle of Jesse, I, I mean, if saddle of Jesse was in the spot, uh, I think that she horse would be, be? <laughs> yeah, one to five, two to five, especially off the, the performance that we saw last weekend at aqueduct. Um, but I think in that race, um, she was chasing a, a pretty cold pace. I mean, they almost went 51, uh, for the half mile. Um, so I, I feel like there's, uh, quite a bit more pace in here. 
And I think she's just kind of get, going to get the setup uh, in that kind of angle. Uh, is that what you kind of thought, Charlie, or why did you have her on top? Yeah, you kind of put it perfectly. I mean, again, we'll get to our best bets later, but that's exactly the angle I took is the horse has been running against better horses. I mean, again, you see Opus 42, Saddle Up Jesse. Um, there's also a horse I believe that we're going to be covering, yeah, later the sequence Intrepid Daydream. I mean, the reality is Hybrid Eclipse has been running against Stronger than this field. And again, as you touched on, even though with running against Stronger, it still hasn't managed to always get ideal paces to kind of run into. Uh, again, as I touched on with the race before, again, you always have to respect the Russells here. I just think this sets up very nicely for Hybrid Eclipse. And quite frankly, I think the horses, I don't want to go as far as to say a tier above because I think this is a competitive field. But I do think for me, Hybrid Eclipse was the horse that clearly uh, stuck out. And then I'll move into the three and I'll let you touch on it more, Kyle, because I know this is your top pick. Uh, yep. But for me, with Charmin Way, I just uh, again, I'm I'm assuming this is kind of what you thought as well. I just like the versatility of this horse. Uh, you know, you can really see the horse if the pace is slow enough, will just go to the lead and is comfortable doing so. And uh, if it is a little more reasonable pace, then the horse can route and you know sit a length or two off the lead and go by. So the one angle you could argue is with a decent pace to work with, maybe Charmin Way can kind of get that first jump. Whereas obviously, as much as I like. Uh, hybrid eclipse you know this horse will be closer up and won't have as much work to do late but uh was that also what you kind of thought kyle yeah you know there's a it comes down to the thing you guys noah mentioned that there might be a little more pace maybe than last time but i don't see that much pace really in here guys i mean there's two horses really it's the five um as i as the the names go away hashtag lucky for Cruz and sanchez salomon but Realistically, the three charming way, and especially based on the um, time form projection, looks to sit just off this five. And if um, charming way gets an exact trip like she did, you know, two back, I mean, I just don't know if there's enough pace for other horses to get home in this spot. And obviously, Rosie's Halo, who I'll talk about in a minute, who I have in second, I just think that same type of thing horses that are going to be close next to a horse that doesn't necessarily like to quit that often, like too much, but definitely more. Then other horses, that being the five hashtag lucky, you can see last time six furlongs, mile, mile on the 16th. I mean, at Del last one was at Delaware at a mile. And that, I mean, that was a good race. Don't get me wrong. And this race at Laurel was good as well. But, you know, against a horse that's going to be pressing the entire way in um, charming way, I just think if this horse runs this 82 again, or even, I mean, this 71 is said here, this is a, one, a 100 time form, guys. We talk about discrepancies. Um, between the two um, pace figures because I think I've developed and obviously you know we refine our handicapping every day that's one thing that I never really took into account was other speed figures I kind of took buyer for what it was but I'd love now comparing the two because time the difference between time form and buyer is usually about 15 to 20 points that's a very general statement but a hundred time form comparatively to a 71 buyer that's a that's a pretty big discrepancy. So time form rates this race much higher and much more on par of this with this 82 than the 71 buyer does. But I'm very interested in charming way, especially with the trip that um, she might get on um, on Saturday. But Charlie, I'm moving to you. We'll, you'll you'll get final thoughts here on anything we talked about. But you have the number six uh, Frosty O'Toole in third here from Mike Dini. Some good old, uh, good old Illinois connection as well with Mike Dini. Uh, High Road Rodriguez, an eclipse, an eclipse thoroughbred horse out of Frosted. I mean, these races are good. Might not, you know. Just the question is, will be that will they be good enough to kind of step up in this field? Yeah, you know, uh, my grandpa knows Mike Dini well. It's a, it's an interesting kind of you know history this horse has been down. Obviously, was trained by Dini. 
gets claimed by or trained by Pletcher then and then goes back to Mike Dini. So certainly an interesting outing. No, the horse has shown flashes. I know it hasn't always been incredible, and I know the efforts have been amazing, but the reality is this horse has been thrown in grade threes, grade ones. So there certainly has been enough background and competition. Last time out, um, you know, I don't want to go as far as to say freak because the horse was a heavy favorite and expected to run well, and the figure isn't obviously incredible. But for me, I just liked kind of the different angle this horse kind of took with, you know, being cl a lot closer to the pace. Granted, it was a slower pace, but nonetheless, instead of just kind of dealing with it being a slower pace and sitting back and basically essentially ruining the horse's own race, uh, you know, Gallardo was able to get the horse closer up and go by. And I also just like how the horse is working, you know, to have a 47 and two last time out, the horse seems to be trending in the right direction. But I think Frosty O'Toole win this race realistically, probably not, but I just think the horse is an interesting invader and I didn't want to go, you know, all chalk. So I just thought if you're looking for a price underneath, maybe this horse could take a step forward and surprise. I just feel like for the horse to be coming over from, you know, Gulfstream, Tampa and in New York, I think it's just kind of the wild card in this race where there isn't much you can really work with to compare this horse to others. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, this horse was obviously well man after that win at Tampa uh, early last year. I mean, the horse won by three and a half and an optional 75 claimer. Takes off of Dini, puts with Pletcher, obviously Eclipse, Eclipse's top trainer, and runs in the Gazelle and the Acorn. So, and that horse was, you know, three and a half to one in the Gazelle. So, this horse was really well meant for um, Eclipse Thurbeds. They thought highly of this horse. Obviously, then nothing really panned out and then switched back to Dini. And that last race is indicative maybe this horse is again on a little bit of an upswing for her four year, for the her start of her four year old campaign. But um, I like that pick, Charlie. Honestly, that could be one to take a little bit of a step forward in this spot rather than going with a lot of lower priced horses. I'm going three one seven. Charlie's going seven three six. Noah's going seven three one. Guys, gonna start. Gonna switch over and start the graded stakes on the card at Laurel. This is the grade three. Barbara Fritchie stakes going seven furlongs on the dirt for Phillies and mares four-year-old and up draws a full field of nine in this spot. And I'll switch over the picks right now, but here's the Equibase base morning line favorite, most likely going to be shared between the number six intrepid daydream and the number seven Bluefield. both uh, Safi Joseph invaders, one being ridden by uh, Rodriguez, one being ridden by Toledo. And then a uh, horse. I don't think too far is going to be out of that uh, running is last leaf for Eddie Keneally, but going to switch over the picks right now, guys, and and we all have the same top three again. So we're we're either going to be really right, boys, or we're going to be really damn wrong. Obviously, we're going to hope really right. But Noah, you are the odd man out here. You are going with number six, Intrepid Daydream. Um, there are some, you know, there's some things I like, some things I don't. I couldn't, you know, I have to obviously respect this horse and the efforts that she has given. But what you like most about the number six, Intrepid Daydream, and why are we going to be wrong with her? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. This was a this was a very tepid pick uh, in this spot. Um, you know, Intrepid Daydream. Um, I just think she's, she's kind of back where she likes it. Um, yeah. You know, it's those uh, you know three and four back here, Laurel. She just she beat those feels pretty good. And then when she tried to go to Goldstream, you know, maybe she has some excuses. Maybe she just isn't good enough. Um, you know, she gets back to Laurel. Um, interesting that Safi keeps you know the the training job here instead of going back to. Campuano, I didn't really look into that, um, but I just feel like she she definitely has to be respected. Uh, there is a little bit of pace in here, but I think she, she's classy enough to maybe sit off that. Uh, and I just kind of think that she's probably the horse to beat in here. Yeah, Charlie, we'll go to you because you and I both have Bluefield on top, and I'll show the pace projection for kind of this type of spot. 
Um, Bluefield, who's coming off of a really good effort in the inside info, now gets a little bit of class relief kind of going back. They're not necessarily like the state bread company that she's ran in before. And she is eight now, I will say that, but still putting in really good efforts. And that inside info, I think, is sneaky good behind Olivia Darling, who came out of the 10 hole I and who pats, pats on my back. I picked her on top on the show uh, when we covered that. That was Holy Bull Day for Goldstream. And she is coming back a little quick, but, I mean, she's done it before and ran an 89. And I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with an 89 in this spot, personally. No, not at all. And, I mean, for me, look, this was a horse I was on uh, both times that Bluefield has run a golf stream. I think we uh, had covered. I know at least one, maybe even both of them. I think we might have covered both of them. But, uh, honestly, I just thought the six furlongs, that was my one worry uh, two back at Gulfstream was would it just be a little too short? And, uh, you know, going back to seven furlongs where it seems like Bluefield loves to run, and uh, ran a really, really solid effort at not like a crazy price because the horse was bet down, I think, from like 10 or 8 to 1 to yeah. 6 to 1. But still ran on a very respectable second. I mean, beat Mary quite contrary. It was a great horse. So beat some very solid horses. Obviously, Pratt being aboard last time out also meant that, you know, the horse, even though, as you mentioned, is 8 years old, clearly to get Pratt at, at that age means the horse still has something for sure left in the tank. Uh, so I think she's still very dangerous. And I just love the pace setup, honestly. I like that they're sticking with the seven furlongs because I think that's the distance this horse has always been meant to be at. I think six is just too sharp unless the field really is that weak or if it's a crazy hot pace. I don't think the pace has to be as crazy, but I think it naturally will be. I mean, you look just, I mean, you look to the outside, it's two horses that are more forwardly placed just to the inside. Uh, in type of dra- daydream is going to be forwardly placed. There's more speed to the inside. I just think there's a lot of horses that are going to want to go and I think from a trip standpoint and a distance perspective, I just think this sets up perfectly for Bluefield. I think really this is the great spot. Horse is still training well. Safi, as you mentioned, keeping both horses, I think, honestly, more so just, you know, speaks volumes that he still, like, believes and wants to have control of these horses and has a specific plan. I think this was, again, also purposefully putting them both back in Laurel. Maybe he just thinks that Gulfstream just isn't where these horses are meant to be right now. I just think personally for Bluefield, I think Safi kind of wants to give her, her a little bit of a, a little bit more class relief than she's given. Like I said, Safi still means this horse really well, considering that she ran in the inside info last time out. But um, coming back to type of this, this not listed stake, but low graded stake at Laurel, I think this will fit Bluefield really well on a track with a longer stretch that favors closers at a distance that she really likes. She's three for seven at Laurel. I just think this is, if at all spots, I think this is a really good spot for Bluefield to be in and gets um, Rodriguez aboard, who's obviously very, very good at Laurel Park. No, I'll let you touch on our last horse, um, last leaf for Keneally. And the thing that I mentioned last race about um, the savvy horse, Rosie's Halo, is that horse is also in at Goldstream Park. So there is a cross entry there. So keep in mind for that. But neither Intrepid Daydream or Bluefield are cross entered, which leads me to believe that they might both be in on Saturday at Laurel, but obviously check your changes and scratches before um, making your picks for Saturday. But lastly, Keneally Cruz ran really well twice at at Turfway. looks to come back to the dirt where she definitely has some back form, Noah. Yeah, that's that's definitely what I was keen in on. Uh, I was surprised that both of you guys had her in the top three. Uh, This was kind of primarily underneath play for me. Um, Obviously, she hasn't gotten her picture taken in, you know, over a, a year and a half or more um but uh you you go to some of these races you know uh in the in the fall of this past year um you you look at the six furlong race at churchill you know running uh four lengths behind wicked halo and then running the tca which kyle and i we were at at that day 
Um, you're running against Ugiri and Wicked Halo again. And then e even the uh, Kentucky Downs race, even though that was on turf, that was a really nice race with Ouvre, who I think came back and won at Keeneland. Right. Um, so I just think, you know, uh, the back uh that you pointed at, and even earlier in her career when she was a, a late three-year-old, early four-year-old, she ran in some really nice races. And it's just something about this this turfway track. Uh, she's been there the last two times. It just seems like it's a, it's a really tiring track. So whenever horses kind of you know, run there and then kind of come back, they seem to be really fit. Mm -hmm. um, the only one concern I did have, Kyle, you kind of have access to this and I don't, is what Keneally's kind of stats are when he ships to Laurel. Um, I'm not really uh, – I don't really play Laurel on the daily, um, so I would, I'd be interested one to see. One for two is your answer. Um, winning with Safin, not so he doesn't really ship too often, which I think is kind of a positive in that mm -hmm. regard where, you know – um, that means Eddie Keneally really thinks that Last Leaf has a chance. It's kind of a ship to win scenario for something like this, where Eddie Keneally really isn't, you know, twice in the last five years he's shipped to Laurel and he's one for two. Um, he really, th I think, sending her out here, get, you know, a little bit of like that graded stakes company trying to get her a little bit of black type per se, as, um, as you would say in the type of the breeding aspect. But I just think if, um, there's one race that Keneally thinks she can run run well in to get that graded stakes win. It is in this race with Last Leaf. So, no, I'm completely in agreement with you. I think this horse is really interesting, at least underneath. I'm going 7-1-6. Charlie's going 7-6-1. Noah's going 6-1-7. Guys, going to switch to the co-feature here on the card. It's the General George, another grade three. Four-year-olds and up for the males going seven furlongs, basically just the male version of the Barbara Fritchie. Draws a field of seven, and some really, really good East Coast horses are drawn into this spot. You have um, Cohen for Barbosa and Ginter, Post Time for the Russells, and Nimitz Class, who's coming out of the Pegasus World Cup for the new uh, for newly trainer George Weaver and Heavy on Toledo. Greeley and Ben, Grandpa's back in this spot as well. Very, very good East Coast horses are in this spot at Laurel, guys. And I'll bring up the picks right now, and I'll switch over. We are all going with the number three post time. And I'll start this one, guys. This is my um, biggest opinion on the card. I think, as I'll switch to the PPs right now, the reason why this is my strongest opinion, guys, is obviously the Russells are good. Obviously, this horse will not be a massive price. But I think Pet Nimitz class coming off of the Pegasus World Cup is going to take a lot of money where this horse doesn't necessarily that i mean not deserving it is definitely not the way i want to put this but you'll look at this horse's this horse's um back class guys mile and eighth mile 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 and eighth mile mile 70 mile and eighth this horse likes to go longer and obviously these numbers these buyers and these time forms are very very good but they're all at longer this horse hasn't been at seven furlongs in a year and a half almost where this horse was behind in a fast pace and just could not get the job done. It's just why Bruce Kravitz at that time, no relation. We touch on that every time, no relation to the boss man, but George Weaver thinks this horse can run at seven furlongs. I just think this horse can take a lot of money where maybe this horse is not better at seven furlongs. I'll bring up the pace scenario right here. You'll see the one and the two both with very, very fast early time form rating. The one is a one seventeen. The two also having a 117, so they're exactly the same. You'll see the number three uh, post time is going to be a little bit farther back. I'm not necessarily sure that he'll be that far back um, as I'll switch over to his PPs right now. But again, there looks to be a pretty big pace duel 
up in front, which would leave time for the number three post time to get up there. This last race, guys, um, we this is a I think I love post time in that rate and that Laurel card that we covered that was canceled, unfortunately, but came back to run an absolutely monster race for the Russells. Granted, at you know, um, 60 cents to the dollar, I think this horse is just very, very good. Obviously, this Perryville was the race I keyed in on at that time. Of course, losing the Rays Kane and Dr. Venkman. Dr. Venkman out of West Coast biases field out there on the West Coast. But Rays Kane, obviously, um, the Benton and Booz in Indiana show, um, big winner on that card. Or no, sorry, runner-up, verifying one that day. Um, but either way, very good Perryville. Obviously ran amazing in the Jennings Stakes. This is kind of like a similar spot. To me, the um, in this race as was the Jennings. This horse has still been working like a monster. Um, looks to sit get sit a really nice setup, and I'm hoping the reason why again, like I said, I'm hoping that the number four Nimitz class off that type of um, you know coming back from the Pegasus, people see that. Obviously, this horse is five for five at Laurel, but I'm just hoping people see this. Obviously, didn't run very well, but and then they bet money on him coming back. And that's why I'm really landing on post time. Noah and uh, Charlie, I'll let you talk next. Noah, finish up. Then we'll move on to the last race, which is certainly a doozy. Um, Charlie, anything you want to add with post time? And then you threw Nimitz class out entirely and are going with two other horses that I don't have anywhere. And, Char and Noah has in third. So anything you want to add with post time and then feel free to move on with your other two. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, what it just comes down to is I feel like this is a race where post-time and the class are going to take all the money, and you kind of just have to take a stand on one or the other. And I understand that based on what time form is saying, that Nimitz class should be the one who's more affordably placed, that post-time is going to have more work to do. But what you touched on is exactly what stood out to me. Post-time has, I mean, number one, the horse is an unbelievable winner. I mean, the horse is five for five at Laurel, six for seven for the career. So the Russells know exactly what they're doing with this horse. But as you touched on, even though the horse is more of a closing type, has shown the ability to kind of at times sit closer if needed. And again, has run plenty of races at this six and seven furlong distance, whereas Nimitz Class, who, yeah, in theory should be more forwardly placed, hasn't run since November of 22 at this distance. And I feel like once a horse kind of gets used to running at that, you know, mile and longer pace, the speed that this horse is going to have to adjust to won't be the same. So I wouldn't be surprised if Nimitz Class is around as far back as post time. And again, I think post time will be used to having to close at this distance and Nimitz Class won't. So for me, for a horse that's going to get a ton of money taken down, I would, and you know, is it, you know, to me, any sort of world beater, but it'll probably be bad as if the horse is. I'd rather take the connections that have done it before here and the horse that has done it this distance than take a chance on a horse that I'm going to get no value with. Now, moving on, uh, I think seven to 11 is interesting. I understand the horse lost by six lengths to post time. So you're thinking, why the heck do you have this horse anywhere? Is it just because you think post time's that much better that it gives an excuse? For me, I just, again, this horse prefers to go in that seven and six for a long distance has a, again a six for 12 at laurel and is in the money nine out of 12 times i think this is just a horse for course angle and i like the setup you know you showed the time form earlier and i think this sets up perfectly for the five where this horse will be sitting just off their speed and again as, as much as i believe in post time there is a scenario where post time can't get there and where again for me nimitz class having to adjust to the shorter distance might not get there and sevens 11 at a price could end up taking advantage to get the jump and then I'll let Noah touch on it more. But for Gramps, Greenlee, Ben, I mean, look, this horse just loves to run its race. The reality is, I mean, what, 34 out of 44 starts, this horse is in the money. I just didn't want to leave the horse off my ticket because I feel like Greenlee and Ben will just find a way to somehow finish top three. I mean, this is your classic, you know, a fast-paced clunk-up horse for third and at a bigger price. I just, you know, maybe it's finally time to put Greenlee and Ben out to um, 
out to the farm and let him be a horse for a little while. I think that's just me personally, but um, no, I'll let you touch on here. Obviously you have Greenling men in third as well. Anything you want to touch on before we move on, even maybe even with the four who we haven't touched on yet. Uh, no, it's Nimitz class. Excuse me. I thought that was a horse. No, I'll, I'll talk about there. Nimitz class. Cause I, I feel like I would definitely agree with you. Um, if it was a case where um, the horse was kind of switching back to boss man's uncle. Um, <laughs> but uh, just, what George Weaver can do, um, I just feel like the, just the fact that he stays with George Weaver, it's just a little dangerous in my opinion. Yeah, uh, and the horse is very talented and he's run some decent numbers, so I've, yeah. I've got him in the mix. Uh, and then I've got Patrick Kunzel in third, um, where who I think you actually had on top, uh, when we covered that race. <laughs> I did, uh, yeah, I did. Third at Laurel, <laughs> I'll give it that. Just, I did, just a just a just a really nice horse. I mean, th they bought this horse for 80k, and he's almost up to seven figures in earnings now. So just in an awesome horse, an awesome story, and he, he's you know he's not done. I mean, he, he likes to clunk up, so maybe he can get up in, in this race. Shout out Patrick for showing Shout up on the podcast. I was gonna say Patrick yeah. showed up. That's, <laughs> that's, that's so bad, dude. Rip fanatic. <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, look, Gramps is definitely your type of clunk up horse for third, as I mentioned, but underneath strictly for me, if I were to play with that horse, but I'm going three, one, four, Charlie's going three, five, six. Noah's also going three, four, six guys. This last race, man, ah, maiden <laughs> claiming 12,500 to 10,000 mile on the 16th Phillies and mares fours, four and five years old. What a condition. Seven horses draw into this spot. I, dude, I don't know. More than line favorite. I mean, you can take a you can take a guess, but maybe the number three, uh Tyson Tyrant, I would assume is how you say that. It's not Titty and Tyrant. Don't don't even don't even say that. Or maybe it is. I don't know, honestly. Um, Voodoo's Princess is that like a, is that a South Carolina South bread? Carolina, maybe that's wild if that's the case. Um, but I'll switch over the picks right now, guys. We'll talk about this for a little bit and then we'll move on. Um, we all have different horses on top as this race is completely wide open as I would think. Um, Charlie, I'll let you go first, touch on your top three and then no throw it to Noah. And then we'll kind of, I'll give my final two cents and we'll move on. But you have the number six voodoo priestess on top and I'll kind of, I'll go right to her. What'd you like most about, uh, voodoo princess? Yeah, like is a very strong and generous word. Honestly, I mean, look, the horse is 0 for 10. The horse is only in for 10,000 claiming. I mean, maybe the horse is finally destined to get it done. I mean, for me, normally these would be the horses I stay off of. Is When a horse is at that many tries, you like to try to find a fresh face. But honestly, at the same time, it's one of the only horses that has shown any sort of, you know, life and interest in doing something. And it's one of the only horses that's ever passed anybody. Now, at that, barely it has passed anyone. But the fact that the horse has passed a horse before instantly gives the horse a leg up on some of these other horses. Wouldn't be my strongest pick, but I also will say I feel very confident that this horse will finish the line since the horse is 10 for 10 and finishing the race, which, again, for me is very impressive. But, uh, yeah, on a more serious note, I mean, look, I understand you see the horse lost by 24-2 back in second but lost by 10 i don't think that'd be exactly what you you'd want to see but maybe the horse can do it i mean for me this would be a stay away if you're playing the late pick five it's an all button and you kind of hope a price gets in uh, and then for my other two picks i said three and four uh, i mean yeah if the three is the favorite man i wouldn't want to touch any sort of short price but again at least the figures are consistent you know you're probably gonna get a high 30 low 40 which again in this field that's that's you know it's a generational effort so you have to take what you can get and then uh yeah with the four horse I'm not really sure what the thought process was in putting the four third. I think I was just kind of down to four and five. And uh, 
you know, that well, 39 is big in this field. So that's why I like the four and third. I mean, I'm curious, Kyle, I'm sure you have some stronger opinions than Noah and I. This is kind of like your wheelhouse with me a little bit too with the Arlington background, but you have three, six, two. Uh, so we have the top two on uh, similarity. So maybe you see something even stronger than I do on these two. Yeah. I mean, I'll go with it because the thing about, I mean, Canem was a horse I thought throwing in there, granted with a bug on top, but Machado has won five of 11 in here, seven for 11 in the money. So that's at least got to be respected. And you said the figures. This also has also been working, you know, straight up to this race, which in these types of races, um, I, do um i respect a lot more because you'll see a lot of weird works with these kind of cheaper horses um this horse is also coming back in a week which is also something to keep in mind for machado but obviously winning at 50 percent on his on this meet is nothing short of spectacular i went with the number three tyson tyrant and i could be wrong guys this is the only horse in the entire field that likes to pass so the fact if they go quick up front which is the horse that i want in tight the number three tyson tyrant is the horse that I want like this. I mean, the work tab is super slow. These look all like maintenance workouts to me. Nothing like they're trying to go super fast in the mornings. Obviously this horse is cheap, but um, like I said, only horse that can pass in a field of a lot of horses that are look to try and that don't like to pass at all. So um, I like the number three Tyson Tyrant for that point. And Noah, we have the same horse um, and you have the horse on top. I have the horse in third. Mucho Macho Myrtle. Great Which, name. Mridal? Because that's, that's not, yeah. Triple M. We're just going to call it Triple M. No. Right, I'll, I'll give my, I'll put myself on blast if I get it wrong. It's not that big of a deal. Um, Mancilla is obviously a pretty decent train out there. You get Tori Alba on top, another bug. But, I mean, no, I'll throw it to you. Drop in class, which is um, the angle you can kind of go with with the three as well. Um, what would you hone in on here? And then we'll move on to best bets. I mean, in a race this bad, you, you kind of have to look for something and, yeah, maybe this horse has a little upside. I mean, that's kind of what I was looking at. Um, I mean, in his in, in her first two races, the comments literally just say outrun both times. So obviously, they do. no running at all. Um, you get Tori Alba, Tori Alba, who's a, a decent apprentice, uh, and, and he gets a weight break, which actually might you know be yeah. worth something in a in a field like this. And then I've got the three and second, who you already touched on, who's kind of given the best kind of numbers that we've seen so far. Now I've got the four and second who Charlie had as well uh, for a guy who's done really well at the meet. Uh, this horse also has Tori Albon, which last time I checked, I don't think that's possible. But <laughs> these, these these horses might be running slow enough to where Tori Alba is able to jump off of this horse and go on to the other. Oh, okay. something, something like that. Um, hey, if somebody gets but, no rider, that horse instantly becomes <laughs> the favorite, by the way. All right. All right. I'm putting the kibosh on this one. There's two, two, uh, two loose out here. I got to rein back in, everybody. Um, obviously, Tori Alba will not be riding both. <laughs> I sure hope not. Obviously, keep an eye out for scratches and changes to see who gets on one of these horses. But there's a lot of you can make, like I said, there's you got to go a lot of different ways. You got to get creative in races like this. Um, like I said, if you like told me you were going to go five out of the seven or something like that, I wouldn't doubt you by any means. Like, I wouldn't, you know, poo poo you by any means. This race, you got to have to get creative in spots like this and really dig deep into you know who's gonna win or you or you try and single the favorite home and move on but guys i'm going six three six two charlie's going six three four noah's going two three four guys gonna move on to best bets here and then we'll and we'll end the show here hopefully getting a nice quick 45 minutes in 
for you guys. Noah, I'll start off with you here. You're going two different exactas. You're going race number six, which we talked about, nine over three, seven. That is, of course, um, as my DR fails to load. That's um, Bob Marco. Bob Marco, thank you. My Bob gosh. Marco with uh, Be Better and Double Crown. Yep, that's correct. Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't know why my stuff wasn't loading. And then race number eight, you're going Ice Cold Exacta. That is Intrepid Daydream over the number one last leaf. Noah, talk about your best bets. Yeah, so in the in the sixth race, uh, I've got the nine on top who Kyle has as well, who's just, you know, very one-dimensional and, and is just going to go to the lead and and maybe, maybe he can hold on. Um, I'm going to try and use the seven as well. Cause I think the seven is a little interesting. I, I respect the three, but he, I, obviously the Brussels are going to take money. So yeah. anytime you can get a horse, that's going to take money out of an exactor or a try that that's going to be exponentially better for your value. Uh, and then moving on to the eighth race, uh, I had intrepid daydream on top. Um, I, I know you guys like Bluefield a little bit. I was a little bit against her. So again, trying to get a low price horse out of the exacta. And we're all interested in the one last leaf uh, who's running some decent races and doesn't really like to get her picture taken, but definitely a horse that has to be respected underneath. So those are my two best bets. Yep. I look, I love it. I love the stands that we're taking, you know, trying to create a little bit of value with hope with what looks like some lower priced winners on this card. Snow, good luck with your best bets. Charlie, go to you next. You go in race number seven, double six over with six, seven, and in race number nine, exact a three over five, six. Charlie, about talk about your best bets. Yeah, so, you know, in race seven, hybrid eclipse, again, as we touched on throughout the sequence, I've been all over the Russells. And, uh, I mean, again, the source ran against Saddle of Jesse. He's just been running against much tougher competition. I think this uh, – I don't even want to call it clash because, you know, it's still a stakes race. But nonetheless, this easier level of competition, I think, suits this horse really well. And then as much as I like Bluefield, I just don't want to risk because I do think – not that Intepid Daydream is the speed of the speed, but I think Intepid Daydream, as Noah touched on earlier – could, you know, sit just off, but out of all the horses that will be forwardly placed by far is the classiest and has, you know, the most background to show that this horse can kind of stay up. So I didn't want to, you know, put uh, a stone cold, even though I'm known for doing those stone cold doubles of just Bluefield. So I decided to do both of those um, and then going into uh, race nine for my exacta, I'm doing post time over sevens, 11 and Greeley and Ben. I mean, Greeley and Ben always kind of finds ways we touched on the old head, the Patrick Kunzel horse Gramps always finds a way to kind of, you know, stay in the mix. So I wanted to keep that horse. And then I said that, you know, seven's 11 again, these are two horses you'll get good prices on should be in and around there. And then Kyle, you know, I know you gave a really extended look into post time. Uh, the horse, obviously ultra talented has ran against race. Kane has been running against all these different horses is working well. I know you kind of told me off air that this horse kind of in the replays you watched almost looked a little Mahomey to you. So I just feel like for that kind of ability, this horse should be ultra talented. And I'm putting that one on top of my exact just to get some value out. And respectfully, I didn't say shit. That's coming straight out of your beautiful Ohio State education right there. That's what that's coming out of. That ain't coming out of me. That's for damn sure. But anyway, Charlie, good luck with your best bets. Yeah, trying to throw me under that. That, that, that shit ain't fine. Look at that. He, look at that. He put a win bet on him. See, yeah, why don't you do it? Besides, besides that, all fun. I'm not. I'm definitely gonna. Tell, I already told you why. I don't need to tell you again. Um. Anyway, yeah, you, you give the Tony Ronald treatment to. Mahomes, while you're at it. Anyway, I'm going. I'm going with two other horses in that double. I went with the number one, Rosie's Halo. That is the horse that is um, cross entered at Gulfstream Park. So keep an eye on that. Um, and follow me on Twitter at AP Roscoe K for the full. Um, if I have to revamp that with maybe a horse including Bluefield or with another horse in that race, I'm just going against the number seven uh, hybrids Eclipse, who can of course win 
but trying to get a little bit more value with throwing out the favorite there. And of course, adding in my top pick charming way with Bluefield. Like I said, there's a lot of different ways you can go. So hopefully um, if the one does stay in, that will be the bet. But if it doesn't, of course, follow like I said, follow me on Twitter for the final version of that. And in race number nine, a win on number three post time, guys. I'm hoping for somewhere around two to one. I'm not sure we'll get it. I'm hoping Nimitz class takes a lot of money and that I can get post time at a decent price for the race. That's going to incur a lot of good value there, which could be my uh, best win bet on the card for Saturday. But guys, that is going to wrap up episode 61 of Betting and Boozing covering a pretty good sequence at Laurel um, for Saturday, February 17th with two grade threes on the card. But for my co-hosts, Charlie Freeman and Noah Maher, this has been your your host, Kyle Roscoe, in episode number 61 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. And of course, until next time, cross those bets, win those photos, and stay safe, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode. Have a good night.